0: Hello, my name is Austin Matra, and welcome back to another episode of the Dragon's Den podcast. Today, joining me, as almost always, Robert Jones, and, you know, we're going to get into a little bit of Thanksgiving recap, you know, a little bit of Mark Cuban, some NBA news, and some questionable calls that we have saw this week in the NFL, and a bonus speaker for later on in the episode. Are you excited for that?
1: Hey, I don't know who it is. Only you and that person knows who it is. So it's going to be such a surprise. Well, you'll see later on. So let's
0: get to it. NFL recap. Thanksgiving was an interesting slate of games, I'd say.
1: I mean, we kind of knew we'll get to this, but one of the games, we kind of predicted the possibility of the outcome, which the Cowboys, easy. But we'll start with the first slate of the games. The Packers being the Lions.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect this one. You know, I had in our Flex Friday picks or Thanksgiving picks, I had the Lions, you know, basically getting ahead early and running the ball. And Mm -hmm. I thought that's what they do. And that's not what happened. Jared Goff has had turnover struggles for two weeks in a row now. Uncharacteristic of him in his time in Detroit, I would say.
1: I mean, it was kind of weird that every offensive stat was dominated by the Lions. David Montgomery had 71 rushing yards. I believe Gibbs was kind of close to that mark too.
0: Yeah, but like the Lions running game without Aaron Jones really hasn't been it this year. And I feel like the Lions had the ball for most of the game. They were just on offense because they kept, you know, turning the ball over and ending drives. And the Packers would have short fields to finish it off.
1: I mean, I remember having this conversation with you last week. I thought it was really weird. Jared Goff doesn't really throw picks, but all of a sudden threw three in this picks, game.
0: You know, I think he had some fumbles last week mm-hmm. too. But like, what was that The like, game? Like, it's just uncharacteristic of the Lions. And I could see their. I hope they don't. But the season looks like the opposite of last year, where they started one and eight and then came on really strong. Mm-hmm. This year, it seems like oh, we're gonna fall back a little bit. At the end of the year, I mean, we, can,
1: we could we could also say this a little bit of an overreaction, but then again, they're also are eight and three. They're top of the NFC. I believe they're also leading the NFC North. So
0: yeah, and you know, div- big divisional games. You know, the Bears they almost lost too. They barely got that one back. You know, the the Packers, the two teams at the bottom of their division. You know, trying to get rid of those demons from years past and you know really assert themselves on top of the North, but it's getting shaky.
1: I mean, if we look at these games, I mean we can obviously go look at other opponents and be like, Hey, they're easily beat these teams, but I mean we just look at the Packers, very middle of the pack team beating this tough Lions team. If we look at the other games ahead, they have the Saints next week, which they have the struggle on their own. We also they're playing the Bears, the Broncos, Broncos, Surgeons, Vikings twice with Josh Dobbs, who we'll get to later, and just the Cowboys team. I mean it doesn't look like they're gonna be really struggling that much, but it was just a very odd loss to a medium tier team.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those losses that you might look back on later in the year and be like, shoot, if we're out of the NFC by one game, you know, now that there's only one bye, it's way more competition for that spot. So that might be one of those games they look back on and really regret. But with the Eagles, you know, ten and one at this point, eleven and one, yeah. I think, or no, ten and one, I believe. Ten and one.
1: Nope. I think they work. had
0: their bye. Did they? I'm not sure. But anyway, <laughs> it's only one loss to the notorious Zach Wilson and the Jets' backup DBs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Lions may not have even had a shot at the
1: one seed anyway.
0: But that also brings us to the second game where there was no shot mm-hmm. for the Commanders.
1: Well, I also would like to clarify that you were absolutely right. They did it on their bye week. The Eagles are 10-1. and one, But we go to a little bit more of a...
0: Yeah, I thought... I thought last week that Sam How- Howell was going to show out, and Sam Howell did not show out. No. <laughs> you know, he didn't have an awful game. You know, he wasn't really getting help. But, yeah, Deron Bland has, you know, a ton of pick sixes this year, huge breakout star, star for Dallas, who's, you know, has Stephon Gilmore, who's been amazing for them this year, and Trayvon, when he was still healthy, has, I believe, had – Better last two seasons than his all-pro season where he had all those picks. Yeah. But, you know, Cowboys are looking stronger. But then again, they have been beating up
1: on weak opponents. I thought it was just really weird. I kind of want to talk about Sam Howell. It's it's just weird how he's leading on a lot of offensive stats with passing yards. And I believe he's up there with passing touchdowns, maybe just out of the size of top five, I mean.
0: Yeah, but he's also up there with sacks taken. I think mm -hmm. he's number one by almost 20 or 50. It's some absurd stat. Yeah. And then, you know, I think it's – but you feel like there's not really been a lot of fantasy production from those receivers, right? No. Uh, Terry McLaurin's a safe nine points every week, you know, four catches for 50 yards. Logan Thomas has been, I feel like, getting a lot of that production, finding the tight ends a lot. Staple of a B enemy offense had Kelsey out in Kansas City. Now you're doing that in Washington.
1: I mean, I kind of just found it weird. I mean, Dallas is a very aggressive team. With a lot of outside rushers. Like, if you're playing man, Scary Terry is one of the best man-to-man receivers in this league. But if you really look at all these stats, Curtis Samuel, nine reception, 100 yards. Dawson had 52. McLaren had 50. So it's not like... I, they,
0: they really like to use Curtis Samuel a lot there, but I don't know how to feel about Jahan Dotson. One of, last year, he was one of the elite separators in the league, along, to, along with having the third best contested catch rate in the NFL. Mm-hmm. His whole thing was separation, and he added that, you know, explosive catchability to that in his first year, and, you know, he regressed a little bit, but he either, I feel like, gets you, like, Five fantasy points or 15. He's one of those big boomer <laughs> bust players. And like Gabe Davis, you got to play him the right week, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you also look like this Sam Howell, 28 for 44, not a bad percentage, but Terry McLaurin seems to be kind of locked up. He had four receptions, I had 11 targets, that, including those four catches. But it's kind of weird to see that statistic off a really good receiver. But I feel like the story of the day has to be Dak Prescott's game. Kind of really climbing the ladder in the MVP conversation. But he had four passing touchdowns. He had a 142 passer rating. He had a QBR of 87. It was really good game, over 300 yards passing, even, which is really surprising, too. Their run game was also really well, too. Tony Pollard has 79 yards along with a touchdown.
0: Yeah, Tony Pollard started the year off pretty weak, I'd mm-hmm. say. But he's been getting a little bit better, week in and week out. You know, really ramping back up. But you know, I I see you want Dak to win MVP, but I don't think a quarterback should win MVP this year. I'm I'm against it. I don't think there's been one quarterback that really stands above the rest. And I think mm-hmm. the most valuable player in the NFL is Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I'm leaning towards McCaffrey more because he's mm-hmm. what makes that offense run and you know, in addition to the rushing yards, he's get the he gets the receiving yards as well, and then he had the insane touchdown streak. So he's been going crazy.
1: I just I I agree with you here. I just feel like the MVP award is just a QB award, and that it shouldn't be. Like if we look at this case, it's probably going to be one of either CMC or Tyree Kill winning Offensive Player of the Year, and then somehow a QB is going to win MVP. That's we can easily make that prediction now, but yeah. maybe from your logic, which I agree with, maybe one of them goes MVP, one of them goes Offensive Player of the Year. But I was also kind of confused on the awards that if the best player on... Like, if the MVP, say, a quarterback, like last year, Patrick Mahomes was a quarterback on the offense, winning MVP, shouldn't he also win Offensive Player of the Year, too?
0: I think they try to separate it Mm -hmm. a little bit to make sure you don't get both, which I agree with and I think is fair, but... If they're going to keep giving the award to quarterbacks, we need a different award, genuinely, because I get it. Quarterbacks are usually the most valuable player on the team, but if you look at the Niners, you can't go say, oh, Purdy's the MVP, because he's not. It's someone like CMC instead who's really opening up the game for them.
1: And I like how you're talking about CMC now. It's, what's us shift over to this game. CMC had over 140 all-purpose yards 19 carries, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. Another common CMC game monster game.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I, I couldn't watch this game after the first quarter. <laughs> it, it Long Thanksgiving, a good Thanksgiving, a great Thanksgiving, but yeah. ugh, I was just tired. I'm like, okay, like, really? 49ers are up like Seahawks don't have any yards. My fantasy teams weren't doing good. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think it's time to pack it in for the day. <laughs> Go watch go watch some tv and fall asleep but i yeah i I feel like it's been pretty one-sided lately
1: this game wasn't really too much of an interesting game i found it also kind of weird seattle was a really good rushing team but that really doesn't matter if you're playing the cmc and the 49ers having one of the best tackles in the game trent williams really they did lose some o-line weapons in the offseason i wouldn't even really consider weapons but kind of death and i mean they're you guys are stepping up, and CMC is kind of looking just as perfect as usual. Passing game wasn't really too huge with the 49ers this week, only Brock Purdy having 200 yards. Nothing really stands out, minus Diego Samuel finally stepping back in, seven receptions, 79 yards. Their, their second leading receiver was Chris McCavery. He had the second most targets, second most catches, and. It was kind of an off day. George Kittle kind of being a dud this week. If you look at the other side of the ball, it was very evenly spread out. Geno Smith also 180 yards. Jackson Smith and Jigba, two only two receptions, 41 yards. Seems like the 49ers defense was locking up this receiving core. DK was targeted nine times, only three catches. Yeah, DK didn't do too good. And Tyler Tyler Lockett was kind of also a little bit of a quiet night. Three receptions, 30 yards on five targets.
0: Mm -hmm. And one thing I would like to mention is this rookie receiver class. You brought it up with Jackson Smith and Jigbo, but Mm -hmm. this wide receiver class has been very weird this year. Mm -hmm. I feel like Zay Flowers is the number one Mm -hmm. by far and away, but Quinton Johnston went to everybody thought would be a good fit with the Chargers, and then Mike Williams goes down. Thought they would step into that role. He hasn't done that that well.
1: Had a really key drop in one of those games right in front of the end zone. Yep, genuinely
0: losing them that game. Jordan Addison has been pretty good for the Vikings, you know, in Justin Jefferson's absence. And Mm -hmm. without Kirk Cousins, I feel like he's had a pretty solid year. Bijan Robinson been coming back. No, he's not a a receiver, but he catches a lot of passes. Yeah. And Jackson Smith and the Jigba has not been – that crazy good this year you know he's he's been more of a role player and i don't know if they were you know trying to draft jackson smith and the Jigba to be the next tyler lockett mm-hmm. while tyler lockett can kind of teach him and you know he can slowly take over that role as lockett gets older but i think it all varies a great deal with these rookie receivers i'm extremely happy that mm-hmm. zay flowers is breaking out and he's such a fun and electric player to watch like on Sunday Night Football, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But, you know.
1: You know, I hated how all the receivers got picked back, but back to back to back to back, and the Giants didn't have a receiver. But, hey, I'm fine with Banks. That's okay. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Yeah,
0: I, and I forgot about Hyatt. Yep. I mean, you can't do much with a deep threat if you can't.
1: Hey, we're hey, hey, hey in we get to Hyatt in a little bit. He had a really good game. But, you know what, I feel really good. I'm in a really good mood. Let's talk about the Jets first today. Yeah. A little Black Friday action.
0: Black Friday, the Hell Mary. The Jets should never play during Thanksgiving week again. I think from now on, they should just take a bye. Because yeah. whenever they play around Thanksgiving, they always suffer embarrassing plays. You know, butt fumble. Everybody remembers the butt fumble of Mark Sanchez running into the back of his own lineman, but then this year, the Hail Mary, you know, the Jets defense fighting and clawing in the whole game to kind of try to keep it close. And then DJ Reed gets a nice pick with two seconds left in the half. And then, you know, you put in Tim Boyle to throw a Hail Mary, which isn't, you know. Yeah. Even if you have Zach Wilson bench, which I think he was inactive, so I'm not sure, but, like, he, he just ugh, throws a duck to the end zone. Javon Holland picks it. 99 yard pick 6. Mm-hmm. The end of the half with 2 seconds left. I just got home from Thanksgiving travels. I put my phone down. I didn't even see what happened until I came back <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait. How did they get How did they get a touchdown? What did I miss?" And apparently I missed a lot. So, that was a rough game, you know. But the Giants Patriots tank bowl. Mac yeah. Jones looks like it's the end of the road for him. Yeah. No getting benched pretty frequently this year.
1: Yeah, driving dr- driving back up to co- college. I try to watch on the radio. Of course, we're driving through mountains here, so not great service, but I kind of – I didn't really watch the highlights. I'm going to be honest. I The Giants suck, and probably wasn't an interesting game just looking at the statistic that it was 10-7. to 7. Doesn't look really appealing, but we win? Yay? I mean you- – I, I- –
0: I don't ever want to lose, but that game was one of those that maybe you
1: do. Yeah, I agree with you there. You
0: know, Jags, Texans, you know, what a quarterback duel. I personally wasn't able to watch many of the games this year, but I did hear the reffing in that one was a little, Mm -hmm. or not this year, this week. The refing was a little shoddy in that one from what I heard. I don't know exactly what happened, but I do know that that Jags versus Texans rivalry is going to be great for years to come. I really liked Trevor Lawrence's quote. Aren't you excited to have another good quarterback in the division? No, I'm not excited. <laughs> I have to play him. I mean, it's an
1: exciting game, sure. It was, it was an absolute duel in this game. We finally seen some Calvin Ridley resurgence. He had a really well, great game. He had a great game last week. He had a great game this week over... Leave over 100 yards this game?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just their offense. They spread the ball around to whoever's open. It's not like they have a true number one guy. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of different people that contribute in different ways. You know, Evan Ingram hasn't been getting a lot of touchdowns, but gets a lot of targets, you know, very consistent. And it's just whoever's open that week. And then Eagles versus Bills. Jake Elliott might have nailed the craziest field goal I've ever seen. And those conditions... With that wind whipping back and forth like that from 50-plus yards out, that was insane.
1: Yeah, the refs knew that I had uh, Eagles minus 2.5 here. Josh Allen had himself a game. I was playing him this week in fantasy. Somehow scored 40 points. Every time I looked at my phone, Josh Allen had another rushing or passing touchdown. Yeah. Two passing, two rushing, 330 yards. It. Of course, we have some Gabe. Gabe Davis clutch heroics, but wasn't really enough for this game. There's a lot of very questionable calls. One on a roughing the passer on Josh Allen, which was iffy. I I didn't see that one. It's they they they're. I feel they're definitely gonna try and fix this rule this offseason season with a roughing the passer. The Bills, especially with Josh Allen, has gone away with it a lot. I've seen a few with the Giants game. There was two in the Jets game. I remember earlier in the year. It's just there there was a
0: period of time where the Jets weren't called for a roughing the passer penalty in over a year. mm -hmm. Called for our team, we we committed them, but yeah, but they did not do it for
1: us. This was a really good game in overtime. They believe they had a yep, yeah, they had a field goal. They Tyler Bass hit a field goal. Philly came all the way down. I believe it was a touchdown. Jalen Hurts rushing in the game. Yeah, and. Honestly,
0: Jags-Texans and Eagles-Bills would have been a great Sunday night and Monday night football game, right? I mean, Instead, we're stuck with Ravens-Chargers and Bears-Vikings on Monday night football. The I'm Bears sure. won a game in which they didn't score a touchdown. Not an offensive touchdown, a touchdown.
1: I thought it was just weird Sunday night football. These are two very, I mean, minus the coaching of Brandon Staley, really good offenses. I was really weird at the total score was 30. That I truly thought that this Chargers defense was going to get lit up by Lamar Jackson. Not really. 117 yards. It, their leading receiver for the Ravens was Isaiah Likely, their tight end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, Keenan Allen doing his thing. It was a very defensive battle. Decent bit of turnovers on the Chargers. They had four. I believe they had two fumbles one from Keenan Allen, one from Eckler. It was. Was, it was a lackluster game, but if we want to go a little bit more lackluster, let's look at... Uh, that dude, bears too Yeah, mansion. it was Josh Dobbs really looking, really creating this narrative of how he was a, one of the smartest players in the NFL with his rocket engineering degree. Yeah. Aerodynamics. Aerospace engineering, yep.
0: I believe. But, ugh, man, that game. I'm glad I was at work and missed most of it.
1: Yeah. You know... I needed 21 more points to win my fantasy game this week. And who do you think I had in my team? DJ Moore. I said he was a little bit of a cold streak semi-legacy game. I, I've seen a little bit. I called the first one. But this game was looking really well. 11 reception, 114 yards. He had a really good 20-yard reception iced the game, yeah. which led to a field goal.
0: That pairing of DJ Moore and, you know, Justin Fields, I think was a very good trade you know, for the Bears to make, you know, DJ Moore has been perfect for them.
1: So with, I also want to read the statistic, five out of the last six games that DJ Moore and Justin Fields have played with each other on the same team. DJ Moore has more than six receptions and more than eight targets. So Justin Fields is on the field. If you have DJ Moore, you should be expecting a quality amount of points. And we got to kind of go with this story. Josh Dobbs, four picks, had a QBR of 19. Not a great game in this one. This was kind of really decided on not one, two, three, four, seven field goals and a late touchdown by
0: the Vikings.
1: By TJ Hawkinson, getting that really good contested catch one-on-one in the end zone. And this was a terrible game. This,
0: Yeah, I mean – They they have to be more open to flexing some of these Monday Night Football games because a lot of teams that people thought would be good are not good and a lot of teams people thought would be bad are winding up pretty good. The entire AFC South is competitive, and even the Titans are undefeated at home. So whenever you go to their crib, you have to fight a battle.
1: Like, I'm looking at these games, and if you can easily flex, make maybe Buffalo, Philly, Monday Sunday Night Football and perfect. Easy. You can go Jacksonville, Houston, it's Monday night. This is, if you were going to go in a marketing standpoint, you got two of the best young quarterbacks in Lawrence and Stroud,
0: and a divisional matchup if you want to replace Bears Vikings.
1: Bam. That would be a very entertaining pe- game. People want to go in. and then you have two favorites in the league. Buffalo has a very large and cocky fan base, and also Philly has a large and cocky fan base. That perfect game. Perfect marketing strategy and. Flexing your right here is, is we kind of have to get a little bit better with our uh, primetime picks.
0: Mhm. And then in some NBA news, Mark Cuban actually sells a majority share in the Dallas Mavericks last night.
1: This was really weird. It was just like if you look at all the NBA owners out of all 30 teams, you do not expect Mark Cuban to, to be, be the, the one selling. that's selling.
0: That's, that's what I said. I got the notification. I'm like, what? Like, Mark Cuban's done. Then I looked more into it, and, you know, he he's going to keep some shares in the team. He's still in full control of basketball ops, so it mm-hmm. seems like he wants to be around the team. So, but.
1: this also did come with his departure from Shark Tank earlier in the week. So, can we really spectate, like, what's happening? Like, maybe he wants to be more with his family, but then again, he's keeping his some of his shares in full control of the team, which... It's very odd they he sold it to I believe Miriam oldson and his and her family is her I'm so sorry mm-hmm. if I butcher this but for the range of about like, and, three and I half believe bill. it was also toward a casino I believe so I heard something about a casino tycoon also but I mean if we look at this he purchased this team for 285 million sold it for 3.5 billion. Is an over 2,000% return on investment, and he made a success selling Broadcast.com to Yahoo. That's how he made his startup money. Really very interested in basketball, wanted to purchase a basketball team. Dallas Mavericks came in fruition, and he was very known, especially toward his championship years, how involved he was with his team, always sitting courtside of view his team, very vocal on the refs also. But can we... He
0: truly cared about that he team. Did. He's, he's not one of those owners who just has a team and you know, kinds of run, runs it to get money. He wants that team to succeed.
1: So I feel like there could probably maybe be a few options of why this might happen, but let's go with a few. Running for president?
0: I don't think he's running
1: for president. But the thing is, if you were to run for president, if, if you're president, you can keep your assets. You've, you've seen this in previous presidents, so we kind of got to rule that out. That was a little ridiculous. I saw that on X, so I had to mention it.
0: I think honestly, with, with the Shark Tank news, he probably just wants to cut back on things and spend some time with his family. I saw him in a Mr. Beast video once mm-hmm. with his, you know, son there just playing basketball and hanging out. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, he just you know, based off of that, I you know, I get that you still want to be in charge of basketball ops, you know, and you're selling your shares, you know, maybe get some money, set up your children for the future. Like that you know, like you said, a two thousand percent return on investment. You know, you're still wealthy, but now that's liquid. Now you actually have that funds, yeah. and maybe he wanted to go invest in something else and put some time so, there. So
1: I did not remember seeing he didn't said in an interview that between all of his deals with other um, companies Shark Tank, it once he's like said he was just breaking even, but you can also say that he's waiting on the long term investment. Of course, some are gonna fail, some are gonna very succeed, but. That's for time to tell, but currently he did say he's just breaking even on all of his investments. But
0: I mean, just just breaking even is still some profit.
1: It is profit, but then there's also long-term investments, which we'll see how companies also do. But this was very weird news. This is like, you can't really s- speculate, which he's gone from his top popular show, sold majority stake in his team. Like, you, besides... Cu- I can't really think of another reason besides him just, like, cutting back. He's, he's still kind of young, too. But very odd to me that that move was, was made.
0: And then that brings us to our last segment with Rob for the day. Questionable calls. Something new we're adding this week as well. You know, we we saw a couple different calls in the NFL this week, and we just wanted to, you know, take a minute and review what was going on there. My personal questionable call of the week was the Raheem Mostert challenge in the Jets versus Miami game. First drive of Miami's offense, Raheem Mostert catches the ball, you know, gets punched out. Everyone thinks it's a fumble, but Salah challenges it because he thinks it's an incomplete pass. It does wind up being an incomplete pass, and Mm -hmm. they were right, but the risk reward there, it It wasn't that not there for me. I mean, If you're right, obviously none of it matters, and they're right for making that call. But if you're wrong there, you lose a timeout and your challenge in the first five minutes of game time. That's just one of those things where you have to be sure you know you're right. And in the NFL, I don't think
1: you're ever sure you know. I mean, if he called it and he went down with it, it was only like a three, four yard catch. So it wasn't really. Yeah,
0: it's not like it was like a huge 30 yard catch either. It was like not even, it, fir- it
1: wasn't even a first down. It wasn't going to hurt your team. We'll put it like that. It wasn't really, again, what you said wasn't really risky. It wasn't really rewarding for Miami if that play happens and they had that completion, but that was that was a little odd. Yeah, say that. I
0: don't know if I really liked that one.
1: And you had a little of a, you were scheming a little bit, how to stop a certain play.
0: Yeah, so in the honors of Eagles-Bills game, did you want to bring up your questionable call?
1: Yeah, I kind of noticed this a little bit with watching Josh Allen play. It's, he's a big guy, one of the tallest quarterbacks in the league. I believe he's around 6'5". big guy, very aggressive when running the ball. He's one of the few quarterbacks in the league that tends to lean lead his shoulder in on hits, and this kind of... Angers some defensive players, a lot of Morley, linebackers, and D-linemen. But the play of this is he's had a lot of, what's the penalty, roughing the passer calls. And I've seen some of these calls, and especially this happened in the Eagles game, that were just very, like he got tickled and they threw some clothing out, as I can say, flags. but Some laundry. Some laundry. And he's getting away with a lot of little hits that go four fifteen yards and roughing the passer. And he's a like he's a big guy. He
0: can yeah. he can take those shots. Obviously you don't want anyone, you know, if it's a clear roughing the passer call, but he's a little more
1: built. I mean, you were talking to this before we were recording today, but the Jets, he had they had one against Josh Allen, which you were saying that the Jets never really had roughing the passer calls against them.
0: Yeah, for Like I said, you know, earlier, 20 was the last time we had a roughing the pass call. We had to wait an entire season until we got one this year. And it wasn't like early. It was like week four, I think. Mm. So it wasn't good. But in the spirit of Eagles, Bills, and our last thing, the tush push. One of the most unstoppable ways, plays in the NFL.
1: So a little backstory with this play is they hired an Australian rugby coach to teach them this play, and over the years that they've used it, which would be a year or two, they have an over ninety ninety two 92% completion. I'm
0: just stealing that from the Kelsey mm-hmm. podcast. Yep. Like they said, uh, success rate was 92% or something mm-hmm. from the goal line, and,
1: you so, know, they made it came, come true with the tush push. So, I mean, what I'm seeing visually is they're trying to really jam those defensive tackles, which you have... Two generational tackles. You have a generational center, (laughs) which is going to down the line be a hall of famer, which that helps you pretty well. But you also have to
0: take into consideration the fact that Jalen Hurts still has to push people, right? Even if, you know, your front guys create that scrum, right? And you hit those... D lineman, there's still linebackers coming over the top to try to stop Hurts. And that's and why That's why that, no one else can really do it as well as them because Hurts can squat like 400 pounds and he can push through those guys and then he's got running backs behind I him.
1: Mean, yeah, what I'm also seeing is they actually have a tight end out. They usually have Goddard out, but now it's their backup going in and pushing him to make that final... Well,
0: I, th- I believe the Goddard got hurt. That's yes, why.
1: but he got replaced, which, yep, you're right with, is... That's also another scheme in itself in this play of how it's so successful. But, you know, with the best,
0: so, it's first and goal from the one. And the Eagles line up in tush-push formation. What would you do to stop it? You think you could do anything? Probably not. Put me down, put me down at nose tackle. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you're going to get some (laughs) medical bills. But (laughs) the best way to stop this play is to not let it happen. If it's on the one yard line, right, <laughs> the best way to stop it is go off sides. You literally, if I'm a Dean lineman and they line up in the tush push from the, I'm, nope, I'm walking over the line and I'm committing a foul before they can even get the playoff. Oh, yeah. And what, they get a half yard closer? They're probably going to get that with the tush push anyway. So my theory is you keep going off sides and, you know, getting that smaller and smaller until they get out of tush push formation. Because if it's, you know, one yard line you're still gonna have a hard time stopping that anyway Mm -hmm. the the difference there is almost negligible you know if you need to win that your D linemen have to get off the ball and get a stop in the backfield pretty much anyway so if you can get them out of that touch push formation by just keeping on going off sides I think that's a interesting strategy and maybe some team implements it in the future because they come up with it on their own I don't think they're listening to me
1: but I was just thinking about it, and there's no like real drawback from that. You're so happy I can curse on this podcast, but what? It is <laughs> a crazy out there idea, but the tush push was a crazy out
0: there idea, you know, and it works. So if you can't let them run the tush push, but what they're then doing, but
1: what they're doing is legal. You technically can't go offsides, or you get penalized for it. Yes. So you're saying keep getting penalized. On and... purpose.
0: It's like, it's like when in the AFC wildcard a couple of years ago, when Mike Vrabel was coaching against Bill Belichick, and it was Brady's last game. He took a penalty on purpose to run more clock off. You know, a lot of teams, the, they'll yeah. take a penalty on purpose to try to get them to go off sides, and they'll punt it. Yeah, it's technically illegal, but they know what they're doing, and they're taking the punishment for it. It's illegal, illegal play.
1: In a sense. I mean, you also have to think about this play is only meant for one team. Other teams have tried to do it. The Giants try to do it. And when the Giants, some teams it works. With the Giants, when they did it this one play, they, first off, they didn't get it. They tried to go fourth and short. And I believe it was also against the Cowboys. They got injured. Their center, John Michael Schmidt, got injured. And I remember they had another guard get injured. They had, I the, believe the Chargers tried to do it. They missed it. The,
0: my favorite variation of it that isn't the Eagles was the Bears version mm. because they lined up Cole Komet as their quarterback and they're just like, okay, we're just gonna, we, we don't need a quarterback, we'll just do it with the tight ends who, who is strong, thick body. So, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, will we ever see
1: him stop the tush push? I don't know eventually, but you know, what's this kid awesome mantra as the tush push specialist? <laughs> you can hire me. To come in from SUNY Cortland, I'll tell you how to stop the tush push. You know, it just they, feel- they
0: brought in the guy from Australia to bring it in. I'm the guy to stop it.
1: One-time fee of $200,000 <laughs> if you want your secrets. <laughs> oh, please. It won't cost that much.
0: All right. Well, we're going to transition to the betting segment now. Hello. Austin Matra back on the Dragon's Den with our special betting segment with our guest, Brendan Aid. How are you doing?
2: Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be on today.
0: Yeah, well, you're the betting extraordinaire in the house, so we wanted to get you on and discuss some of the picks for Flex Friday this week. How do you say about that?
2: Let's get into it.
0: All right, so our first one, pretty free. Christian McCaffrey over half of a rushing touchdown.
2: Love it. I think CMC, his hands are going to be all over that game. I don't know how effective Brock Purdy is going to be against that Eagles defense, so I think they're going to make the game a little bit small, narrow it down, just make it simple. Just give it to CMC. Let him do his work.
0: Yeah, and I mean that touchdown streak. Anyway, he almost broke the league record, and I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't bet a CMC rushing touchdown, even if it's against Philly. He's gonna find his way into the end zone. You know, he's yeah. just one of those elite backs. It doesn't matter how good their D line is. My second pick: Desmond Ritter over 15 and a half rushing yards against the Jets.
2: I love it. I think throughout the year, the Jets haven't really been that good at.
0: Stopping, scrambling quarterbacks. Stopping, yeah,
2: we've seen that against the Chiefs. We even saw that against the Dolphins. It was kind of a problem. So, yeah, Ritter, 15, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what else is really going to transpire. I don't feel like betting on Bijan Pitts or any of those other guys because yes. you never know how it's going to use. But you know Desmond Ritter is going to have to be in the game, and he's going to use his legs at some point. My third one, it's actually for a Thursday slate, mm-hmm. but so let's get rid <clears throat> of it. But it was DK Metcalf. Under thirteen fantasy points. I'm going to change that one out. I'm going to try to find something. But anyway, Josh Reynolds over one and a half receptions. What do you think about that?
2: Over one and a half.
0: I mean, he seems to be consistently involved in the offense. So anytime, I kind of like those lines where it's like one and a half two, because it could go either way. You know what I mean? Like, you know,
2: I don't. I don't see why he can't get two receptions. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a. It's not a you're not asking for a lot there. You're not asking for him to get a touchdown. You're asking for two receptions. That could easy, easily happen. Mm-hmm.
0: My fourth pick, Michael Pittman Jr., less than 72.5 yards. Love Michael Pittman Jr. He's been amazing all year. I just have a feeling that this week might be a down week for him. He had, he's been over this line the last two weeks.
2: Yeah, he's been, he's been crushing it these last two weeks. And uh,
0: division rival Tennessee, they know what Pittman's about, so they know how to kind of try to contain him, so... I think he's gonna go less. It wouldn't surprise me if he had six catches for sixty yards and a touchdown. I wouldn't surprise oh, me yeah. if he had a great fantasy day. But I think receiving yards wise, we're gonna go under.
2: Yeah, he's on my fantasy team. He kind of he goes off with the receptions, like it's good, and he gets those touchdowns. Like a few weeks ago, he gave me like twenty five points off two receptions. Oh yeah, oh, I was... love him.
0: Last week just got over hundred. He was doing really good then. Then my last two were kickers. Young-Waiku over one and a half field goals made because I feel like Atlanta's defense isn't going to get to the end zone that much, and I mm-hmm. feel like there's going to be a lot of kicking. Yeah,
2: definitely a lot of... Definitely going to be a big... I do love kickers. Jets-Falcons, two in group half. Blank-Grupe
0: also over one and a half field goals. I mm. feel like the Lions' defense isn't good, but the Saints' offense really isn't that good either, especially, I mean, Michael Thomas is down, like we were discussing before. Hopefully A.T. Yeah. Perry... Oh, no, we weren't talking about that. I was talking about that with someone else, but... AT Perry I think can step into the role and be decently effective but I don't see them really capitalizing that much in this game so I feel like Oh 100 a good one but you know now that the betting segment's over how about those Knicks this year
2: Oh those Knicks I saw this stat the other day on Twitter shout out Knicks Muse the Knicks are 8 and 0 against teams under 500 but a scary 2 and 7 on teams above 500.
0: So they're the Miami Dolphins of the NBA? Yeah.
2: Yeah. You can say that. You can say that. They, they play in a pretty good conference this year. You got the Bucks; They've been killing it. We play them on Tuesday for the in-season tournament.
0: Yeah. How, how have you been feeling about that in-season tournament? I don't watch much basketball, but I've been, I like the concept of it. You know, I think it's pretty cool.
2: Beginning of the season, I was like, eh, I don't know how interested I'm going to be, but I think it was pretty cool seeing on a random Tuesday night in the NBA regular season, that teams were keeping their starters in, trying to outscore each other. Like the uh, Celtics, matter. the Celtics they were hack-a-shacking, hack-a-drumming when they were up twenty-three points, just trying to get their just trying to get their point differential up. The Knicks they did the same thing. They left their starters in with like four minutes in, four minutes left in the fourth. I don't know if that's a point differential thing or just a Tom Thibodeau keeping his starters in kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but. Like you said, like, beginning of the NBA season doesn't usually matter. So, you know, I think the in-season tournament's a great way to get those, you know, get the teams, keep them involved, and make sure that everyone, you know, keeps watching basketball. Oh, yeah. I feel, I know a lot of people who won't watch the beginning of the season, and then once no, they'll watch opening day, maybe a couple opening games. Yeah, people
2: like people start to check in maybe March, April, right before playoffs.
0: Yeah, and see what's up. Same, almost the same with the NHL. I feel like.
2: Oh yeah, that's 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 kind of been a thing concern for the NHL. You kind of get low viewership in the beginning of the season because it's the people who love hockey. You're gonna watch hockey all year round. The people who are not like your average casual fan,
0: they're not gonna be watching. They're not gonna yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we'll watch say every NFL game, but. Yeah. My phone just buzzed and the bills just released a statement saying this morning we were made aware of an incident involving Von Miller. We are in the process of gathering more information and will have no further comment at this point.
2: Do they say what the incident was?
0: No, nothing. Wow. So now I'm wondering, what's up with Vaughn Miller? Even though he's a Bill, I love Vaughn Miller. I loved him oh, on yeah. the Broncos, loved him on the Rams. Happy. You
2: cop, You had a Vaughn Miller jersey before, he, a Bill's Vaughn Miller jersey?
0: Yeah, that's the only Bill's jersey I can bring myself to wear because I love Vaughn, I loved him before. I was going to get a jersey before he went to Buffalo, and then he signed. Mm. Since we go to school up here, I'm like, eh, screw it. I'll get a Vaughn jersey, you know. I need. If I go to a Bill's game, I might need something to wear if I'm – Neutral, you know, like when I went to the playoff game last year, you know, Bills versus Jaguars. But,
2: oh, apparently, come from Dav Kelman that it's a domestic violence case. Yeah, what, I don't really trust Dov. I don't, I don't know. Take that with a grain of salt because most, yeah, most uh, outlets are saying it's just a statement.
0: Yeah, I don't, I feel like whenever da, I just don't like his,
2: he, he's kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, so. Hopefully, Vaughn's doing good and uh, nothing serious happened.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you never uh, want to hear something like that.
0: Yeah, no. And, you know, this is the Dragon's Den podcast signing off. You got anything else to say?
2: Let's go, Knicks. That's, that's hopefully the Jets. They don't make me want to just punch a hole in a wall tonight on Sunday.
0: Yeah, probably will. Yeah,
2: Swiss cheese, my own um, freaking apartment
0: yeah well don't do it before you move out because then you're (laughs) gonna have to pay all those fees all right this is the dragon's den podcast signing off